Good morning. It's good to see you all. Warm welcome. And to those of you online as well, great to have you with us. If you're a visitor, especially a warm welcome to you. I hope you feel very welcome with us. It's good to worship. It's good to hear from God's word. And uh, it does us good as well. Uh, It blesses us to worship God. So let's pray. Uh, Pray that we'd worship him this morning. Pray that we'd listen to him this morning. That our hearts be ready to hear his word. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the joy and the privilege of coming to this place to join together to hear your word. Lord, I thank you that you promised to meet with us when we gather together. And Lord, I pray that we would know your presence with us in a special way this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd prepare our hearts to hear your word. Lord, so often we need help uh, getting our hearts ready. Lord, I pray that you would work in us. Lord, make us receptive. Soften our hearts to hear your word. And help us to praise you as we sing. Lord, I pray that we'd sing from our hearts, not just with our mouths. Lord, I pray that this morning your name may be lifted up in this place. Lord, we pray these these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to give a very warm welcome as well to Basil, uh, sitting behind me, who's kindly come uh, to speak to us this morning from Reading. Very thankful for him. Many of us remember him from years past, and we've been richly blessed by his ministry. So praying that God would again bless us. Uh, this morning through him. So thank you for coming to speak to us, Basil. Well, we're going to sing our first song this morning, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Many of us um, change over the years. Um, I've been looking at some photos this week of people um, from like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and it's quite funny often how how much people change. Um, But God doesn't change. Uh, He changes not his compassions, they fail not. So let's sing of God's faithfulness and his never-changing compassion. Let's sing.
Well, before our reading this morning, just a quick notice about uh, Kathleen. Uh, Kathleen was the wife of uh, Peter Rao, who was the pastor here for many years. And this is the notice that's gone on the bulletin for those of you who may not have seen it. Kathleen passed away yesterday. Her family are thankful that the last part of her life was shortened and that she didn't linger too long. Now her confusion and suffering are over And she is with Christ in her forever home, which is far better. She has been such an example of patience, gentleness and care and concern for for many. Her family and friends will miss her very much. Please pray for God to comfort all those who feel the loss. So let's pray for them now. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you and we pray for the family and for friends as they grieve for dear Kathleen. Lord, they have lost a very dear mum. And Lord, it is a huge sense of loss. Lord, we pray that you would comfort them at this time. Lord, we thank you so much for the family and for the love and care that they have shown uh, for many months now looking after her, and for the carers as well. Um, Some here who have have spent so much time caring for her, Lord, we thank you so much for them. And Lord, we thank you so much that so many have learnt so much from her patience and kindness and self-sacrificial love. Lord, I thank you for the blessing that she was to the church and the individuals in it for so many years. Lord, I pray that you would bless her legacy. Lord, that others would grow up to be more like her, having seen her witness. They'd be more like her and ultimately more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we know that she was struggling to see over the last few months. And she was confused. But Lord, we thank you for the certain hope that she is now seeing the Lord Jesus face to face in her forever home. Lord, we thank you that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And Lord, we thank you that this is not the end of the story. Lord, we pray that this would be a great comfort to the family and to all those who loved her so much. But Lord, it is a big loss. And Lord, we just pray especially for them at this time. Lord, I pray that you would comfort them as only you can. And Lord, I just pray as well for plans for the funeral and all the other things that need to be sorted. Lord, some of these things can be stressful, especially at times like this. Lord, I pray that it would go smoothly. And Lord, that your hand will be over all these things. So Lord, we commit the family and the friends and all of this into your hands. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Basil this morning is going to speak from Psalm 8, so we're going to read Psalm chapter 8 now. 
Psalm chapter 8. It says, To the choir master, according to the Gittith, a psalm of David. So, Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honour. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We're looking forward to Basil um, explaining more of that psalm to us shortly. We're going to sing another song now, O to See the Dawn. Uh, It's a song written by Stuart Townend, who wrote it with Keith Getty. And uh, this is what Stuart Townend writes about this song. He says, this song paints the picture of that Good Friday when Christ was tried, beaten, nailed to a cross, suffered and died. And the chorus tries to explain the significance of it all. Then the last verse effectively paints us into that picture. For it is our name written into his wounds. So let's sing this song. And then afterwards, Josh is going to come up and do the children's talk. And I don't know what all this is going on down the front, but it looks quite exciting. So children, you can look forward to that. Let's sing.
Good morning. Good morning. Okay, so I'm very excited because I've borrowed this. I've not tried this out yet, but hopefully it's going to work. Ooh, made a beat. That's good. That's a good start. Okay. It looks, it looks, it looks like there might be quite a bit of metal that was used in the building of this building. Let's leave it there for now. Can I have a volunteer? Yeah, go on. Right, this is quite big. I don't know if it's adjustable. I think that's, um, I think that's where we're at. So we might need a little bit. So here you go. Come around. Give it a hold. Right, so what are we doing here? Well, um, we've got a field. We're going to go looking for some treasure, um, which I think is quite exciting. We might find a lot of gold, and uh, we might all be able to uh, retire from our jobs. None of you guys have jobs, but I'll be able to retire from mine. That's good. Okay, so let's have a little look. Let's switch it on. Let's have a little look. Let's see if we can find anything. What do you think? Is that... Oh, no, that didn't sound very good. Oh, no. Oh. Mm. Mm. What about over here? Mm. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's have a little look there. I'm going to dig. I'm going to dig. That sounds pretty positive. No, we've got nothing. Let's go this way. Okay, okay. Right, let's have a little dig over here. We've definitely got some beeps. No, okay, let's keep going, let's keep going. Let's come this way. We have found... Aha! We found a spoon. Excellent. Um, Well, thank you for trying, but we didn't find any treasure, but we did find a spoon. So what I will do is I'm going to give you, for for trying, for volunteering, I'm going to give you a little packet sweets. Okay? Right, let's have... Very smooth. Let's have another volunteer. Can we have one more volunteer? Okay. Another volunteer? Yes, yeah, come on. Right, you can also have a packet of sweets for volunteering. I think you're big enough to hold this on your own, probably. So put your arm through there. Ignore the beeps at this end, because I think they're nails in the floor. Let's keep going this way a little bit. Keep coming. Oh, what was that? No, let's keep going. About over here. Oh. Oh. No, let's keep going. What about... I think I found something. <laughs> right, now... There we go. Do you want to pull that? Now, the thing is that... Um, when you find treasure in a field, the law's a little bit complicated, so this might be my field, for example. But I tell you what, I will do you a swap. If you give me all the um, silver and gold that you've got, I'll give you this. Is that a good swap? What do you reckon? All right, let's do a swap. Good man. Thank you. Thank you for volunteering. You can grab a seat. Wow. Okay, so... What is all that about? Well, I thought it would be fun. Um, I have fun. I hope you guys have fun. Sorry that you couldn't all volunteer and have a go, but maybe you can try um, with my nephew's uh, metal detector afterwards. Can we have the slide up here, please? Brilliant. So what we've been doing this morning in my field is looking for treasure. Um, And the Bible talks about treasure. So let's have a little look about what it says there. So this says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. So what's the kingdom of heaven? That's a little bit complicated, actually. But the kingdom of heaven is where it's Jesus' kingdom. Yeah? So it's where Jesus is the king. So basically, the kingdom of heaven, if we know Jesus, if we become Jesus' friend, and not just his friend, but he is our king, we are in his kingdom. Okay? So basically, when you say the kingdom of heaven, it's like saying, 
if we are in God's kingdom, if we know Jesus, if he's our friend. So the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. So why is it like a treasure hidden in a field? Well, this, I'm going to say two things. I'm going to say two things to you this morning. So the first thing is, the kingdom of heaven, you might need to look for it. Yeah? You might need to look for it. We had to look quite hard to find that spoon and, uh, and that big bag of sweets. We had to look for it. If I'd have just said, you know, guess, um, if, if you hadn't looked for it, you wouldn't have found it, would you? If you just looked and you just thought, well, there's, there's a bit of carpet on the floor and there's some, there's some towels and things, you wouldn't have found anything. You had to go in, you had to dig. We tried using the metal detector to see if it would help. And the kingdom of heaven is a bit like that. So if this morning you're sort of thinking, I don't know, maybe, maybe you, you're, you don't think Jesus is that exciting. Or maybe if I said to you, do you know Jesus? Or do you pray to him? You might say no. So my first question would be, it would be, well, have you looked for him? Have you really looked? Because it might be a bit like that treasure. It's a really good thing, but you're not going to find it unless you look. So we can, we can look for the kingdom of heaven by looking in the Bible and reading the Bible. That is a very good way. We can look for the kingdom of heaven by, if you've got questions, asking people those questions. Maybe you can ask people at church or mum and dad. You can ask them questions you've got. You can look for the kingdom of heaven by praying, by praying to God. So that's the first thing. The kingdom of heaven, we need to look for it, a bit like treasure in the field. And what's it say next? One day, a man found the treasure, a bit like you did. A man found the treasure and he hid it in the field again. The man was very happy to find the treasure. He went and sold everything that he owned to buy that field. So in the story here... To get the treasure that he'd found, he had to basically, because he didn't have the field, he had to go and buy the field. That's why we did that little swap there. Yeah? And what this is saying, basically, is the kingdom of heaven is better than anything else that you've already got. Yeah? The, the guy in this story, because he found this big bit of gold or whatever it was, he realised that this could buy everything he had and more. It was better than anything he had. So he realised that it was worth swapping anything he's got for it. So that shows, and it's a little bit like that's what we did there, you know. You've got 22 packets of sweets now. Really sorry about that, parents. <laughs> um, you've got 22 packets and you just swapped one packet for it. It was a very good deal. And that is what it's like with Jesus. Jesus is better than anything we've got. What's your best thing that you've got or the best thing that you really want? You know, maybe, maybe the thing you really want is there's some really nice trainers Maybe it's some really cool toy and you're hoping you get it for your birthday. Maybe there's some people that you'd really like to be friends with. Whatever the best thing you can think of that you've got or that you'd like, Jesus is better. And that's not just something that we read in the Bible. It's not just something we say in Sunday school. But it's something that lots of us believe is true. I found that. I found that the best things I've ever had, I find that Jesus is better. And lots of people here as well, lots of your mums and dads think the same thing. So two things, the kingdom of heaven, knowing Jesus, look for it, look for it. And two, it is really good. It is better than anything we've got at the moment. Thank you very much for listening. I do have little bags of sweets for all of you if you're feeling really left out. Um, so quickly grab a packet. You might want to share yours as well, but I'll hand these out. And that is, um, that's that. Please come and grab a seat. Okay. Throw them out. One, two, three. 
making lots of enemies of parents right now. Sorry, guys. Sorry. There you go. Bro, well done. Thanks, Josh. Well, let's come uh, before God and pray. Lord God, we thank you that Jesus is better. Lord, I pray for those children. Lord, I pray that they would realise that. Lord, that they would know that for themselves, that Jesus is better than anything they've got or anything else they could want. And Lord, I really pray that for us as adults as well. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would not just know that in our our minds, but Lord, that we would know that deep down in our hearts. Lord, that we would be willing to give up anything for Jesus. Lord, I pray that each of us here would know that Jesus is better. Lord, help us to see Jesus more clearly. Lord, I pray. Help us to see more of who he is and what he's done for us. Lord, I pray that he would be very special to us. Lord, I thank you for the people in Ezra 3 who sang responsibly and, and praised and gave thanks to the Lord when uh, the, the foundation of the temple was built. Lord, they said, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever towards Israel. And it says, the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Lord, I pray that we would have that same feeling, that same response, that same attitude towards you this morning. Lord, we haven't just got the foundations of a church building here, we've got the whole building. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be thankful for that. Lord, that that we would shout with a great shout, that we would be full of praise. Lord, that we would realise the blessing of it, that we'd never take it for granted. Lord, thank you for that. Lord, I do thank you that we can worship you wherever we are. That we don't have to be here to worship you. We can worship you individually or in smaller groups and we thank you for that. Lord, it's no longer just in the temple like it was in Old Testament times. And yet, Lord, at the same time, we do thank you for the special blessing it is for us when we do gather together. And for how you've promised to be with us. And Lord, we thank you for that. And we we pray that you'd help us to realise the the wonder of uh, gathering together this morning. Lord, I pray that for anyone who doesn't know you this morning, Lord, I pray that you would speak to them. And Lord, that you would open up their eyes and their hearts to see you. Lord, reveal yourself to them, I pray. They too may know that Jesus is better. Lord, we thank you so much for Basil and for him coming to speak to us this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd richly bless him. Lord, I thank you for Carey Baptist Church as well, where he's from. Uh, Lord, I pray that you bless them. Lord, especially at the moment with the Reading Festival going on. Uh, Lord, so many hundreds and hundreds, thousands uh, of people uh, entering into Reading for the festival. Um, Lord, much of it not good. And yet, Lord, we thank you for the opportunities it brings. Lord, we thank you for the hearts of uh, many at Kerry who are actively seeking to share the good news of Jesus to the people there, uh, mixing amongst them. Lord, I pray as well that people would come along to Kerry. Lord, I pray that this Sunday, Lord, people would be there who who are not usually there. They'd turn up and they'd hear something of, of Jesus and who he is and the difference he makes. 
And Lord, it isn't just good news, it's essential news. And so Lord, we pray that you would bless their efforts, that good may come out of this, that your kingdom may expand and grow. Lord, we pray as well for the, the church opening in Crowbury this afternoon. Lord, we, we thank you for them, we thank you for their vision. Lord, we pray for them. And Lord, we pray that you'd bless them, encourage them. And Lord, that the kingdom of God may grow through them. Lord, that hearts may be changed, that lives may be saved, that eternities may be different because of uh, the work there. Lord, do use them. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that there are people all around Crowborough and in fact all around the world who love you, who you've saved and who want to share the good news. Lord, I pray that for each of us that know you, Lord, that that would be our heart's desire to share the good news with those who don't know you. Lord, do help us in that, I pray. Lord, I pray for anyone who would love to be here this morning but can't be here for different reasons. Lord, we pray that you'd bless them. Lord, I pray that you'd bring them back here soon if they can be here. And Lord, for those who can't be, Lord, I pray that you'd richly bless them in their situation. Some of those watching or listening from care homes, other situations, Lord, do bless them where they are. Lord, you know it can be lonely at times and difficult and they would love to be here. And Lord, we thank you that you can be with them. Lord, I pray that you would satisfy their souls in the way that only you can. Lord, I pray for our country and our leaders at this time. Lord, you know it is a big time at the moment uh, with uh, the leaders' debates and uh, with all the big issues going on around the world. Lord, we pray for them. And Lord, we pray for wisdom. Lord, we pray that they would understand in a way that they've never understood before that they need you and that they need your help. Lord, we thank you for Solomon in the Bible who understood that the task given to him was too big for him and so he needed your wisdom and Lord, how you answered that prayer. And Lord, many were astounded at his wisdom and Lord, how we pray that for our leaders. Lord, that they would understand their need of you and that they would cry out to you for the first time, Lord, cry out to you, seek your face, and that you would be compassionate to them, guide them, help them as they lead us. Lord, we thank you that you are the ultimate leader. Lord, the ultimate good shepherd. Lord, the one who uh, leads us to green pastures and still waters, and the one who laid down his life for us. Lord, I pray that we would eagerly follow you, for you are good and you love us. And Lord, I pray that as you love us, so Lord, your love would fill our lives and that that would overflow to others. Lord, do be with us this morning. Again, I pray. Lord, I pray again for Basil, Lord, that you would uh, use him this morning, that you would speak your word to us uh, through him. Lord, do bless us. May we know that we've met you this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before Basil does come and speak to us, Uh, We're going to sing again our third song, In Heavenly Love Abiding. Let's sing.
Well, it's a very great pleasure and privilege to be here with you this morning at Forest Fold. And I'm glad that my wife is able to join me in this pleasure and privilege. Thank you for your welcome. We're going to look at that psalm we read earlier, Psalm 8. Psalm 8. How do you react when you look at the sky on a clear night? For a number of years, Margaret and I went to a place called Loki Chogyo, which is on the border of North Kenya and South Sudan, probably one of the most remote places we've ever been to, and a place of great poverty. And there's a training school there for pastors, and we were there for that purpose. But there were three great joys in going to Loki Chogyo. One was to get a ride from Nairobi to that place on an MAF plane, which was always fascinating and interesting. Then uh, to meet with the Takana people on the Lord's Day was an enormous privilege. People so poor, so poor, but desperately joyful as they worshipped the Lord. It was always a privilege to worship with the Takana people. The third joy was... Every evening, every night, before we crawled under our mosquito nets, we would take a walk around the mission compound. We had to take a torch because there were scorpions and snakes in abundance. But every so often we'd turn off the torch and we'd gaze into the night sky. There was no light pollution, no smoke pollution, certainly. It was a beautiful, beautiful sight to stand there, no mist, no clouds, just a pure, clear, dark sky with all the numerous stars shining so brightly. It was magnificent. It was awesome. How do you react when you see a sight like that? More importantly, how did David react when he saw something like that? As a shepherd looking after his sheep on the Judean hills, he would often have gazed into the night sky and seen the wonderful stars. How did he react? What impact did it make on him? Well, it made him think. You have that in verse 3 of Psalm 8, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, when I think about your heavens, when I consider them and see their splendor, It makes me think. It makes me think. And we should think deeply when we see a beautiful scene like the night sky with all those bright stars. A lot of people don't do that. They look up and say, what a beautiful sight. But they never ask any questions. Or they see a beautiful scene, a mountain and a lake, and they say, how wonderful. But they never ask any questions. David says, I consider. I consider. I think. Here's the first thing to consider. Who made the heavens? Who made the sun, the moon and the stars? Many people never ask that question. Or if they do ask it, they give a ridiculous answer. 
They say it all happened by accident. That at some time in the distant, distant past, there was a big bang, and hey presto, sun, moon and stars. And they never ask any more questions. But David wasn't like that. When he looked at the heavens and saw the moon and the stars, he thought, he considered. And the first thing he thought was this. Who made all this? Who made all this? Notice what he says. He gives the answer. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you set in place, he realized that God made all this. Indeed, that is the very first declaration of the Bible. Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the teaching of the Bible from cover to cover. Genesis 1, verse 16. God made two great lights. The greater light, the sun, to rule the day. The lesser light, the moon, to rule the night. He made the stars also and set them in the sky to give light on the earth. And God saw it was good. Someone may say, I don't believe such nonsense. Richard Dawkins doesn't believe it. My tutor at university doesn't believe it, nor do I. But tell me, my friend, were you there at the time? Was Richard Dawkins there when it happened? You speak with such authority that God had nothing to do with it. But were you there when it all happened? Let me give you the opinion of someone who was there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in Mark 13, verse 19, God created the world. Do you know better than the Lord Jesus Christ? Does Richard Dawkins know better than the Lord Jesus Christ? That's blasphemy. He says, God created the world. The heavens are God's work. They're the work of his fingers. And they're made with such precision. If the earth were just a little bit nearer to the sun, we would all be burned up. If the earth were just a bit further away from the sun we'd all freeze to death. It's all part of God's perfect design. God made the stars. But he also made the animals. That's verse 6. David says, You made man ruler over all the works of your hands. We'll come to that in a moment. You made man ruler over all the works of your hands. What works? All sheep and oxen and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. God made them all. The idea that they've come about through evolution, through millions of random mutations, is quite foreign to the scriptures. Fish and birds and animals are the work of God's hands. He did it. Who made all of this? the Lord God Almighty. When I consider the heavens 
on a starry night that makes me think. And they ask, who made all this? God made all this. Here's number, another thing to consider, to think about as you look at the splendor of heaven and the beauty of the earth. Not only who made all this, but what kind of God made all this? Is he a little God? Is he a weak God? Is he a cruel God? Is he a God we can ignore? David says, far from it. Listen to what he says in verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. How majestic is your name in all the earth. And the word majestic tells us many things. It speaks of the power of God. He just spoke the word and the heavens were made. That's what we're told in Psalm 33. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. He said, let there be light and there was light. He said, let the earth produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and it was so. The power of God he just says the word and it happens. As I look at this world and its beauty, the mountains, the trees, the forests, the valleys, the lakes, the rivers, it reminds me of the power of God. But then this word majestic speaks of the glory of God. The glory of God. They refer to that in verse 1. You have set your glory above the heavens. Above the heavens. The sky at night is a glorious sight. That beautiful mountain is a glorious sight. But God has set his glory above the heavens. It's greater than the glory of the heavens. That's the God who made all of this. Think of the beautiful flowers God has created. Think of the trees and plants. Think of birds of paradise. Think of tropical fish. Think of a thoroughbred horse. Think of a magnificent giraffe with its head held high. We were in a hurry to get to the airport one day when we were in South Africa. But we couldn't make much progress along the road because an elegant giraffe was walking slowly in front of us. Magnificent sight. God made all of that. It speaks of his majesty and his power and his greatness. We sing sometimes, Lord, your glory fills the heavens. Earth is with its fullness stored. Unto you, unto you, be glory given, holy Holy, holy Lord. Then this word majestic also speaks of the love and kindness of God. Did you realize that God has given us this wonderful creation for our enjoyment? Yes, he created it for his glory. But he's also given it to us for our enjoyment. 1 Timothy 6 verse 17. He richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. He richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. He is so kind. Do you see what I'm saying? 
this wonderful universe, the sky at night, makes us ask, first of all, who made all this? God made this. What kind of God made this? A majestic, glorious, magnificent, almighty, all-powerful, loving God. A few years ago, Margaret and I stood by the River Amazon. One of the perks of being pastor at Carey is that our missionaries on the mission field get a pastoral visit every two years. And if the missionary is married, or if it's a single lady missionary, the pastor's wife comes as well. So that is how Margaret and I were standing by the River Amazon for the first time. This massive river, teeming with life, teeming with fish, and other more dangerous creatures as well. But so magnificent, so vast, so wide, couldn't see the other side. But as we stood by the river Amazon, I wanted to sing, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hand has made, I see the stars, I hear the mighty thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed, then sings my soul, my Saviour God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Saviour God to thee, how great thou art. It made David think, who made all this? God. What kind of God is he? Majestic in power and glory and love and mercy. Here's a third thing we should consider as we look at the heavens, the moon and the stars, and that is this. What is a human being like me in the light of all this? What am I in the light of all this? Here are the vast heavens made by God. The moon 235,000 miles away. The sun, 92.9 million miles away. The diameter of the sun, 108 times greater than the diameter of the earth. The stars, the nearest one, 4.22 light years away. About 224 trillion miles. If we were to travel to the nearest star in the nuclear power ship yet to be invented. It would take, they think, 85 years to get to the nearest star. Some say much, much more. They don't really know. In the light of that, this vast universe which God has made, in the light of that, who am I? I feel so small. I feel so insignificant. So I say with David here, what is man when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained? What is man? But you're mindful of him. Have you really thought about that? I seem so insignificant in this vast world. But who am I, really? Who am I? First of all, we too were created by God. That's what David says here in verse 5. You made him. God 
made man as man. God made woman as woman. Genesis 1 verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. So God created man in his own image. Male and female. He created them. A lot of doubt about that today. Male and female. He created them. Ah, but you say, my teacher at school, my lecturer at university, David Avonborough on the television, they all say that we've evolved from the animals. I know. The theory of evolution is proclaimed as a certain fact. But again I ask, were they there? Were they there at the beginning? I prefer to listen to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was there at the very beginning. And this is what he says in Matthew 19, verse 4. Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? That's what the Son of God says. That's what the Lord of glory says. That's what he believes about the origin of the human race. Not that after millions and millions and endless mutations, suddenly man appeared At the beginning, at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female. We were created by God. Yes, and we were created in the image of God, with the ability to to think and reason, with the ability to make moral judgments, and to discern between right and wrong. You never see a flock of sheep, do you? sitting down and have a discussion about some moral issue. You never see a troop of monkeys in a tree sitting there having a discussion about some major issue. But human beings can do that. Many people rejoice, seem to rejoice these days in that they want more or less monkeys swinging in the trees. But human beings were made in the likeness of God with the ability to make moral judgments. God made us in that way. Listen to what David says. You made him, that is man, just a little lower than the angels, just a little lower than the heavenly beings. What we are told there is this, that God that created the original man and woman, Adam and Eve, Not as animals, but he created them just a little lower than the angels. David says, you, O Lord, crowned him with glory and honor. You made him the ruler of the rest of your creation. Over all flocks and herds and beasts of the fields, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. God made man just a little lower than the angels and made him the ruler over this earth. Let's be clear about that. That does not mean that man can be cruel to animals and treat them abominably. That does not mean that he can shoot elephants almost to extinction just to get their ivory. All of that has come about as a result of the fall. Originally, God created man with glory 
and honor and dignity just a little lower than the angels. And thank God, even in spite of the fall, even in spite of sin coming into the world, we still get glimpses of the original glory of man and woman when God first made them. Think of an artist like John Constable painting beautiful pictures. Think of an architect like Sir Christopher Wren designing beautiful buildings. Think of a Beethoven composing exquisite music. Think of a brain surgeon doing the most delicate operations. Think of a carpenter making first-class furniture. Think of a rider on a horse as an equestrian event. Rider on a horse working in perfect harmony. Think of a shepherd with his flock of sheep. Think of a farmer with his herd of cattle having an affinity with them, really. Caring for them, loving them. That is all a glimpse of the original dignity of man. Not evolved from an animal, but made just a little lower than the angels, ruling over the rest of creation with tenderness and care and wisdom. That's the third question we should think about and consider when we look at the heavens. What is man? Where do we fit in God's creation? Compared with the sun and the moon and the stars, we seem to be so small. But we were created by God, in the image of God, with the ability to think and make moral judgments, and to rule with love and care and mercy his whole creation. That leads to another important question, does it not? Why then is this world in such a mess? We are bound to ask that question. We look at the heavens above and marvel at their splendor and realize that they were created by Almighty God. We look at the earth around us with all its beauty and realize that too was all created by God. We look at men and women and marvel at their abilities and gifts and talents and achievements and they too were made by God. But then we see another side. Every day of our lives we see or hear of things which horrify us. We turn on the news and hear about a little girl being shot dead in Liverpool. We see terrorist attacks in various countries. We see intertribal warfare in various countries. We see terrorist attacks in the arena in Manchester blown up. We see people in the West struggling out of supermarkets with trolley loads of food, much of it going to waste. Whereas little kids in some parts of the world are starving to death. We hear about some fashion idol with a lorry load of shoes. And some poor kids in Calcutta 
have never had a pair of shoes in their lives. And you say, what's gone wrong? God made this world perfect. God made man in his own likeness. What's gone wrong in this world? Or how put the question another way. How do you explain the great contradictions in men and women? Here's a great musician composing the most stirring, heartwarming music. Yet his personal life is totally immoral. And he dies of a sexually transmitted disease. A genius! But a total failure. Here's a footballer. Footballer of the year. Some years ago. His control of the ball is magnificent. The crowds are amazed at his footballing skills. He's made in the image of God, you see. He's got ability. But then he bites his opponents. Not once or twice, but three times. And the fellow who's bitten has to go and have treatment for the bite. How do you explain that? Brilliant skills. But living like an animal. We'll take another case. Once when we were in South Africa, we drove one Sunday morning past the um, Grotskure Hospital uh, in uh, Cape Town. Something amazing happened there on the 2nd of December, 1967. A brilliant surgeon performed the first ever heart transplant. He took the heart from a young woman who'd been killed in a car accident and put it into a man who's in the last stages of heart failure. A brilliant surgeon. He'd been brought up in absolute poverty, but he'd become a brilliant surgeon. Amazing, a genius. But his personal life was a total disaster. He ditched his wife after 22 years, married a flighty teenager. He ditched her and married another. And then it ditched her a life of endless affairs. They nicknamed him the Doctor of Broken Hearts because he treated some women so abominably. It wasn't due to lack of education. Brilliant surgeon, but living an immoral life. Here's a shepherd looking after his sheep with great care. Here's a farmer looking after his herd of cattle with amazing care. Wonderful, wonderful. Ruling over flocks and herds with great concern. But down the road, there's a man who's starving his animals. So in this world made by God, you have to have a society for, for the prevention of cruelty to animals. You also have to have a society for the prevention of cruelty to children. What's gone wrong? Made by God. Made to God's glory. Man made in his likeness. Little lower than the angels. What's gone wrong in the world? Well, look at 
it more personally. How do you explain the failures in your life, my friend? You're part of God's creation. You're made in the likeness of God. But isn't your life sometimes a bit of a muddle? A bit of a mess? You do things that you wish you'd never done. What's gone wrong? Now the Bible explains all that by telling us that the original perfect man and woman which God created, Adam and Eve, rebelled against him. Instead of being content to be a little lower than the angels, they wanted to be above God. Instead of obeying God, they wanted to do their own thing. They went their own way. They turned their backs on God. They disobeyed his laws. In a word, they sinned against God. And that's where all the troubles come from. It was a calamitous thing when Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, sinned against Almighty God. It had disastrous effects upon them and it's had disastrous effects upon the world ever since. They were banished from the Garden of Eden. The ground was cursed. Instead of perfect creation, thorns and thistles began to grow. Earthquakes and volcanoes and floods came in. That's when sickness and pain came in. The whole of creation was blighted because of man's sin against God. That's why this world is in a mess. That's why there's so much trouble. Men and women don't want to obey God and do what God says. They want to do their own thing. And so all the trouble has come in. Let me put it like this. Many people today, even some Christians, dismiss the Ten Commandments. But if everyone in the world obeyed the Ten Commandments, life would be perfect. If everyone in the world loved God with all their hearts and their neighbours and themselves, this world would be perfect. There would be no wars, no fights, no violence, no little girls being shot, no terrorism, no thefts, no murders, no immorality, no pornography, no adultery, no broken marriages, no battered wives, no mugged old people, no little children breaking their hearts because mother or father are cleared off for somebody else. None of that. If every man and woman obeyed the Ten Commandments, life would be paradise. But they don't. They've sinned against God, want to do their own thing and ignore God and go their own way. Do you question that? You say, I'm not like that surgeon in South Africa. I'm not a sinner. Imagine we've taken a video of everything that you've done in your life. Everything you've ever done. Would you like it to be shown on the screen here? A video recording of everything that you've ever done. 
Well, we've got a good audio recording of everything that you've ever said. Even those things you muttered under your breath when you thought that no one was listening. It's all been recorded. Would you like me to play the recording of everything that you've ever said? And imagine a wonderful invention has been invented which has recorded every thought that you've ever had. Would you like me to play that on the screen for everyone to see every thought that has ever come into your mind? Of course not. We all know that we've done sinful things. We all know that we've had sinful words come out of our mouths. We all know that we've been proud and arrogant. We all know that we've had immoral thoughts, if not immoral actions. We all know that. And that is why this world is in such a mess. David says, when I look at the heavens at night, see the stars, I consider, I think, who made all this? What kind of God made all this? Why is it though in such a mess? It's because we've sinned against Almighty God. That brings us to our fifth and last and final question to consider, and in many ways the most important. What is God's reaction to all of this? That is surely an obvious question to ask. God made this world perfect. God made men and women perfect, but they've sinned against him and turned this wonderful creation of his into chaos. What's God's reaction to that? I tell you what my reaction would be. My reaction would be this. I'd write them off. I would say, look, I gave these people a perfect world to live in. I gave them all the wonderful nature, the wonders of nature. I gave them wonders upon wonders. And they've turned their backs for me. they spurned me. They've ignored me. So that's it. I've finished with them. But God, wonder of wonders, doesn't act like that. He would have been quite justified to have acted like that. But he didn't. How did God react? I'm about to quote two of the most amazing verses in the Old Testament. Psalm 8, verses 4 and 5. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? What is man that you're mindful of him and that you care for him? That's amazing. This great God who created all things against whom we've sinned is mindful of us. He thinks about us. Poor, weak, feeble people that we are. He's concerned for us. He cares for us. He loves us. We've sinned against him. We're guilty of marring his creation. 
but he cares for us and thinks about us. A children's hymn puts it simply, God who made the earth, the air, the sky, the sea, who gave the light its birth, he cares for me. God who made the sun, the moon, the stars, that's he, who when life's clouds come on, he cares for me. He cares for us. He gives us our daily food and clothing and shelter. In fact, he loves us. He wants us to be forgiven of all our sin. He wants us to be reconciled to him. He wants us to be in heaven with him. I go further. Here's the most amazing thing you could ever hear. He actually sent his son into this world to die for us. Some Bible versions translate chapter 8, verse 4 and 5 like this. What is man that you're mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him. That you visit him. That reminds us that God so loved us that he's visited this earth in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. He sent his son into the world to die upon the cross. Colonel James Irwin was an American astronaut who walked on the moon. He was a fine Christian. He, was, he said there was something infinitely more important than him walking on the moon. And that was that the Son of God walked on this earth. The Son of God left heaven and visited this earth. For a while, Hebrews tells us, God made his own Son a little lower than the angels. He who shared in the creation of the angels, God for a while made him a little lower than the angels. He made his eternal son into a man and sent him into this world. Why? That he might die upon the cross and suffer and die there to bear the punishment of our sins that we might be forgiven. Before we could be forgiven, the punishment of our sin had to be paid in full. The debt that we couldn't pay had to be paid. And God visited this earth in the person of his Son. He made him a little old than the angels for a while in order to taste death, in order to die for us, that we might be forgiven. Let me finish. What is your response to all this? The God who creates, the great and mighty God, the God who created us just a little lower than the angels, the God against whom you've sinned, the God who sent his Son to visit this earth. What's your response? Well, it should be with David, the response of David. O Lord, O Lord our God, how excellent, how majestic is your name in all the earth. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder, don't forget the awesome bit, 
There's nothing trivial about the Christian faith. O Lord my God, and I in awesome wonder, consider all the works thy hand hath made. I see the stars, I hear the mighty thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Saviour God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. And when I think that God, his Son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. But on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Saviour God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. But that is not all. The Lord Jesus Christ who visited the earth 2,000 years ago and died to save us from sin and judgment and hell. He's coming again one day to gather all his people together and to judge the whole world. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home what joy shall fill my heart. There shall I bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, my God, my God, how great thou art. Let's sing that song to that hymn together. It's a wonderful hymn. <laughs> Oh. Uh-huh.
Father, we thank you that we've been able to come and worship you, the great God, this morning and to hear your word. We thank you, Father, that you love us and care for us in spite of our sinfulness. You hate our sin, but you love us. And we thank you for sending your dear Son to visit this earth that we might be saved. Now may the grace of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ and the love of God our Heavenly Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all this day and forever. Amen.